Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. The people who were on the front lines that day in the captioning arena had prepared for years and years and years for that moment to be of that service to people like you and your family. And again, it all stems from this hidden, behind-the-scenes opportunity we have to translate spoken word into text and make it available. It's an exciting profession. It's a very important profession. Hello, and thanks for listening, and welcome to today's podcast and interview. I am Felicia Gopal, your host of the Career 100 podcast. Today, we're continuing our series on the top 100 careers featuring the profession of court reporter. In all the sensational trials of the past 10 years, 20 years, that I've guiltily watched on court TV, court reporters have had an active role in recording the words of the participants. In my youth, when I wanted to be an attorney, I was always fascinated with the court reporters that were asked to read back the transcript for Perry Mason or Matlock, who would use the words to get a confession from the bad guy. I'm sure it's very different in the real world, but this is a profession that I personally find very, very interesting, especially since today's guest likens it to being a professional eavesdropper. Many community college and technical institutes offer post-secondary certificate programs for court reporters. Many states require court reporters who work in legal settings to be licensed. Employment for court reporters is expected to grow by 14% between now and 2020, which is about as fast as the average for all professionals. According to the Occupation Handbook, those with experience and training and techniques for helping deaf and hard of hearing people, such as real-time captioning and communication access real-time, CRT, have the best prospects going forward. And it'll be interesting to hear from today's guest about whether or not she agrees or if there's other growth opportunities that she sees. So today's guest is Melanie Humphrey Sontag, who likens her role as a court reporter to being a professional eavesdropper, hearing the best and worst stories from others' lives and capturing a verbatim record of events for lifetime preservation. She's been fortunate to have practiced her profession in Wyoming, Colorado, and Illinois, and is one of the country's most skilled reporters, regularly competing in speed and real-time competitions. She's currently the owner of a freelance reporting service in suburban Chicago and serves as a consultant to a reporter training program and is the past president of the National Court Reporters Association. Melanie, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the call. Thank you very much, Felicia. All right. Well, let's start with the first question, which is, how did you become a court reporter? I became a court reporter entirely by accident. It's one of the best accidents of my life. I was a junior in high school in a small town in Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and a student came from a reporting school in Denver and demonstrated to several people in the business classes what a court reporter was. He had this cute little machine that we all got to touch and play with. And when I was a senior, my school offered machine shorthand as a course. I had taken pen shorthand as a sophomore and junior, and I took machine shorthand then as a senior. 
I showed an affinity for it, and I thought, this is the cutest little machine ever. I want to be a court reporter. And so right after high school, I moved to Denver and attended Mile High College, which at that time was in Lakewood, Colorado, a suburb of Denver. And I did have an affinity for it. I went through school fairly quickly, and then that's all I've ever done. I haven't known of any other career, and it is the best accident that ever happened to me. You know, that sounds really interesting because I think in this day and age, so many people pick professions rather deliberately, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think with my growth, I know as a professional, sometimes the opportunities that are afforded to me by just showing up and being in the right place at the right time have been happy accidents that have really kind of changed the direction and the tone of what I'm doing. That makes perfect sense. Great. So let me ask you, what sorts of problems does a court reporter solve? A court reporter's job is to record history, record proceedings exactly as they're taking place, whether that be in a court proceeding, a public hearing, a celebratory proceeding, for instance, like a commencement address or an inaugural speech, those sorts of things. A court reporter makes an absolute verbatim record of everything that happens. Well, given that we just had a president that was just re-elected and just went through the inauguration, that's actually surprising to me. I didn't realize that court reporters would be part of that process. They are part of that process, as well as all the committee hearings that are held on Capitol Hill. Court reporters are making a verbatim record of those meetings, and therefore they're published in the congressional record the next day, and... The immediacy is one of the fabulous things that stenographic court reporters bring to the profession of recording history. Huh. Well, that's really, really fascinating because it makes sense. I mean, somebody had to be recording that sort of stuff, but it's not something that I would have normally thought that a court reporter would be involved in. So thank you for sharing that with me and bringing me into the 21st century of your profession. Are there any common mistakes or myths? about being a court reporter. At first, I talked about, you know, the court reporter giving the the words back to Perry Mason and Matlock. I mean, is that a misconception? It is not a misconception, as a matter of fact. One of the things that court reporters are very useful for in the courtroom is, as you mentioned, those scenarios where everybody wants to make sure absolutely what was said at the time. And very often you see the court reporter reading back the prior testimony. For instance, if a siren goes by outside or someone is coughing in the first row, a court reporter is able often to read lips, to read body language, and be able to make the record even though the rest of the courtroom couldn't exactly hear what was being said from the witness stand at that very moment. So, read lips, really? Yes, ability to read lips and facial expressions. And that's part of the reason that I don't think that we will be as threatened as we possibly could be by what they call digital recording or electronic recording taking the place of a live stenographic court reporter sitting there making the record. Someone who is physically present is able to, as I said, read lips, read body language, clarify if they don't understand. Did the witness say 15 or 50? Was that 1-5 or 5-0? They both sound very similar. Were the words did it or didn't? Was that did it, two words, 
or didn't, the contraction for did not. A live person being present, being cognizant of the record is crucial in these sorts of situations. And therefore, that's one of the main benefits that court reporters bring. What we haven't talked about a little bit I'd like to throw in here is the real-time court reporter aspect. Many, many court reporters utilize what we call real-time reporting, which is as the court reporter writes on their cute little stenographic machine with 23 different keys, it is fed into their computer and comes out immediately in an English stream that anyone in the courtroom can read, anyone attending the proceedings remotely via the Internet. This is incredibly helpful for people who are hard of hearing. Or if you want to go back and see what was said 15 minutes ago, each person participating in the courtroom has access to their own visualization of the testimony that had happened because of the court reporter's writing. Is that something that happens in every courtroom or is that in different courtrooms? I'm just kind of thinking about, you know, I've been to traffic school a couple of times, perhaps. You know, I've never seen a court reporter reporting on that, and I certainly don't remember ever having, getting access to, you know, the transcripts of what was going on in that. It, when you talk about the real-time reporting, is that something that happens in certain courtrooms, certain types of proceedings? It is. Generally, in the past, real-time reporting has been reserved for somewhat more of the high-profile trial. Okay. Real-time really came onto the national scene and became very publicly noticed in the 80s with the O.J. Simpson trial. Yes. In the 90s with the O.J. Simpson trial. It became highlighted there. But the real-time technology is the exact same technology that closed captioners use. And so many people are familiar with closed captioning now when they're at the gym or a sporting event on the big screen at the Super Bowl on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And very few people realize that reporters are those who are the technicians behind the scene providing that instant access. Well, I certainly never knew that. I mean, you know, I just thought it was somebody who was like a really fast typer. You know, I mean, how are you going to capture all of that? Because, I mean, people can talk at a very fast pace. And I know that sometimes when I'm even trying to personally transcribe like a interview like I'm doing with you, you know, I have to listen to it about 16 times in order to get, you know, five words. So, you know, it's fascinating that the role of a court reporter is really going outside of court. Absolutely. Which is one of the exciting things about the profession is the expansion and the explosion of opportunities in the field. For instance, some people love being in court. Other people love being in the deposition setting or the legal environment. If you don't, you have opportunities with real-time technology and the captioning and ability to help hard-of-hearing people to really expand the opportunities that are out there for people skilled like this. You mentioned being a fast typist. And I find it interesting, a very fast typist on a traditional QWERTY keyboard would be 80, 90, 100 words a minute. That's fabulous. The entry level for a court reporter beginning his or her career is 225 words per minute. And so by using our cute little machine with a limited number of keys, we're able to use combinations of keys to write words or phrases 
all in one stroke, as opposed to letter by letter typing that you mentioned on a traditional keyboard, we hit several keys at once, very similar to chords on a piano. Okay, so I'm sorry, I'm kind of going a little bit off the field, but would that explain why sometimes when I'm watching the closed captioning, the spelling is just odd, you know, because you're pressing one key. I'm thinking that they're typing each letter and they're just typing really fast and so they're making mistakes. But what you're saying to me is that they're instead using one key that represents a combination of letters and that's why when I'm watching closed captioning on television, it's not necessarily spelled the way that my English teacher in uh, third grade would have been happy with. You are absolutely correct. Once in a while, when you see hieroglyphics coming through on captioning, it's a technical transmission problem. Sometimes when you see errors in captioning, it is a mistake by the court reporter's fingers behind the scene. Because we have so many different combinations, sometimes little misstroke or a resting of your finger on an inappropriate key will give an entirely different definition. For instance, a D is the keys T and K pressed together, but a G is T and K and P and W pressed together, which are right next to each other on our Stenner keyboard. So once in a while, the court reporter will have just a little shadow, as we call it, or a slight misstroke. And instead of, as on a QWERTY keyboard, you get one letter that's not right, you might get three or four different letters that shouldn't be there at the time. So you're absolutely right. And that's why it is such a profession of continual improvement. There are so many different levels to continue improving our skills and getting better and better and better. You know... I love the fact that when I'm doing this series, I get to find out so many different things about different professions. And one of the things that I'm finding really across many professions is there's an element of continuing to learn in your profession. And it's really kind of generic and common across many professions. That's true. And I think that in today's society, it's even more important People are wanting to be challenged at every turn. They're wanting to be continual, lifelong learners. Court reporters traditionally have a low incidence of Alzheimer's disease because our brains are so active all the time. Every day brings a new subject matter that we become sort of instant experts on when we're working on a particular case or working with a particular topic for a day or so or sometimes just an hour or so. It really gives your brain some good exercise. We're great at Scrabble. We love crossword puzzles as a general rule because we love English. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So what kind of career structure is there in your career? I mean, what type of education is necessary now? And is there any changes that you're kind of seeing across the nation? There are some changes. The schooling for court reporting is generally provided through specialized schools. The National Court Reporters Association has certified over 60 schools across the nation, many of whom offer both on-site and online training. And the schools most generally provide an associate's degree, and it's kind of a go-at-your-own-pace. The sooner you're able to master the physical mechanics of the steno machine, and along with your English classes, your legal terminology classes, your medical classes, your transcript preparation classes, and those sorts of things, 
then you can finish up the program and come out into the great world of court reporting. Once you arrive here, there are many different career options, as I said. I am a freelance court reporter, so my day consists of usually being in a deposition, and I may be at different locations. Sometimes the depositions are held at my office. Sometimes they're held at the lawyer's office. Sometimes they're held at the witness office, if it's a doctor, for instance. Sometimes they're held at someone's bedside, if there's a witness who has testimony to give who may be in ill health. Sometimes they're taken at a witness's home. You never know, being a freelance reporter, where you'll be day to day, and a lot of times you don't know what subject matter you'll be dealing with. Very close to the freelance reporter is the official court reporter. This is the iconic view that we think of generally when we think of court reporters, the person sitting in front of the judge with that fascinating little machine. And this person is, I think, very lucky. They have their finger on the pulse of what's happening in their community. When I started my career in the early 80s, I was an official court reporter, and I thought it was very cool that I got to hear all the stories that were happening in the community before they hit the newspaper. So I thought, you know, I would read a story in the newspaper and think, yeah, that is what happened. Yeah, that is what they said in the courtroom. But literally, I was there as history was being made in my little town of 20,000 in northern Wyoming. As I said, moving on from there with different opportunities that are available, we come into the cart and captioning opportunities. As I said, this area of court reporting or instant translation has just blossomed and bloomed in most recent years. And many people have shifted from being what are traditional court reporters into the captioning and cart arena. Cart is when a court reporter, usually on one-on-one -on -one basis, helps a hard-of-hearing person understand what's going on, where captioning is showing on a screen with a picture and captions at the bottom, like most of us picture on our TV. Cart writing is usually just text on a screen, so the hard-of-hearing person can be right next to the court reporter, or they can be getting remote CART, which is done very often in an educational setting. A CART provider could be sitting in her basement in Tennessee writing a professor's speech from a college in California, which is then shipped over the internet, magically appears on a computer screen in front of a student who is also in the same place as the professor, or perhaps they are attending remotely and they're in yet another place from the professor and from the CART provider. The magic of the internet has provided so many opportunities for skilled court reporters to transition into the assistive opportunities for the hard of hearing people through CART and through captioning. Is that transition partly because oftentimes when I think of court reporters, I think of them working for governmental agencies and governmental agencies have been reducing their workforce? Is that one of the opportunities? Or is it also, you know, just kind of career progression in terms of, you know what, I've done this for X number of years. You know, I have this skill set. Let me look for other opportunities. Yes. All of the above. <laughs> okay. Okay. A friend of mine actually was an official court reporter in Illinois 
And when there were some budget cuts and some changes in her work environment, she said, hmm, let me look into card captioning. And so she started captioning and did a great job at that for a while. She missed the socialization of being in the courthouse. So she went back to the courthouse for a while and I think maybe did some captioning in the evenings. And then now she's back being a full-time captioner again. But captioners generally have, they work from their home. It's a more isolated profession. And some people who are social, like I am, like being around other people, want to be where there are lawyers and litigants and even criminals and things like that happening. So the diversity is a great other benefit of this profession. Great. So if you had the opportunity to give a young Melanie advice on the profession of court reporter, what advice would you give yourself if you were just getting started knowing what you know now? I would say join national and state associations. Build your profession network with your peers. No one understands a court reporter like a court reporter does, and you will never get as much support from anyone who tries as you will from your court reporting peers. Being part of your national association opens up the opportunity to earn your credentials. The Registered Professional Reporter, or a PR, is the entry-level certification for a court reporter that's promulgated by the National Court Reporters Association. Just on Saturday, I was proctoring a test for incoming court reporters to the profession, and it's so exciting to see the smart minds that are coming up to succeed those of us who have been doing this for a very long time. As part of NCRA, you continue reaching for other certifications. We have a higher speed certification, the Registered Merit Reporter. We have Certified Real-Time Reporter, Certified Broadcast Captioner, Certified Cart Provider, all in the real-time arena. What this does is demonstrate to people that may or may not know you yet that you take your career seriously, that you have achieved certifications, that you are at the top of your game that you are rising to the top, you're some of the peak objectively, the best prepared court reporter, captioner, or cart provider that a prospective employer could be looking for. So that's the advice that I would give to someone, is work on your certifications, work on your networking, be part of your associations, reach out and help make your profession better. A rising tide raises all boats, and the better the profession is perceived, the more people will get into it. The number one recruiting tool for schools is that a friend or family member is involved in court reporting and recommends it as a career. The happier that working professionals are, the more often they're going to recommend court reporting as a career, and therefore the fuller the schools are going to be. As you mentioned, demand is expected to continue increasing. The Bureau of Labor Statistics has given a very rosy future for the court reporting and voice-to-text profession, turning anything spoken into written words. And I think that that's very telling. I think that court reporting, which includes captioning and cart providing, has a very bright future. We need to be able to provide the future professionals to fill that area. And I think that the more people who talk about it and are happy about it, the better off the profession overall will be. And I think we owe it to ourselves to pass it on, to tell people about it. Court reporting is the best-kept secret out there. It's an amazing profession that very few people know anything about. 
Well, I think that that's true. And I think that what you've really demonstrated and shown me inside of this interview is that my vision of court reported is really limited to, you know, when I was growing up. And the profession has definitely gone and expanded way beyond that. And there are opportunities way beyond that of being, I think you called it an official court reporter. And there are going to be expanding roles. I mean, as the baby boomers or growing older, you know, I was just talking with a girlfriend of mine who has a hearing aid. I'm just like, hold it, we're too young to have hearing aids, you know, but she's got a hearing aid. And I can imagine that more and more people are going to have impairments that will require them to have not necessarily a court reporter, but being able to get the benefit of what a court reporter can offer and enhancing their lives. Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. Very often when I'm watching a movie at home, I'll turn on the captioning just so I can double check that I don't miss any of the words. As a trained professional listener, it's important to me to get every syllable of dialogue. And in a movie, very often it's overlapping and you can miss a few things here and there. I get much more comprehension from a recorded movie when I do watch the captions. One thing you mentioned I think I'd like to touch on, having the ability, for instance, at a sporting event, if a lot of stadiums have captions on the jumbotron at the stadium, and then some stadiums also have handheld devices, I believe it's the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, of course, someone would have in their hand something similar to the size of their iPhone where they could read personal captions of everything that's being said in the stadium at the time. What kind of access does that provide to enhance the experience of a live sporting event, to be able to follow the online commentary. It's just incredible, the power that's there. If I could, I'd also like to go back to one thing that is a huge misperception. I mentioned we think of the iconic court reporter in the official courtroom, and true, a lot of budget cuts are shrinking that pool of available careers. But one of the main misperceptions is that we will be replaced by technology. I think technology has done so much to enhance our role and to expand our role. And instead of replacing, it's making us better. It's making us have the opportunity to serve more people, to provide more services, to open new markets. And my husband's grandfather was a court reporter in the 40s. And at that time, it was said, well, tape recorders will replace you any now. Well, here we are for many years to come. And as I said, the future is very bright for court reporters who want to be at the top of their game, who work on their real-time skills, who are able to take the talent for hearing words, touching a magic machine, sending it out over the Internet waves to give benefit for people, whether they're hearing and want to take very copious notes, whether they're hard of hearing and want to be able to attend a wedding or baptism or things like that that we take for granted. And we have such an opportunity to expand our roles. Absolutely. I could see that. So let me ask you, what gets you up in the morning to serve your clients? And on the other side of that, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> I am one of the people who is very heavily involved in court reporting. 
when you wake up in the morning is I love my job. I love my career. I love my clients. I have the opportunity to work with interesting people every day. There's constant change going on, and that makes it fun. It's never dull and boring. I may do the same keystrokes, but I'm doing it in a different location. Every day I have a different schedule. I find that very exciting. Some people, the flexibility would drive them crazy. I thrive on it. I also serve on a couple committees at the National Court Reporters Association. As you mentioned, I was on the board for the last seven years of that association. On Saturday, I volunteered my time and had some very wonderful volunteers there right with me to help proctor a certification test for our incoming professionals. So I tend to stay quite busy with court reporter-related things. I don't get out of my court reporter rut very often, but there's always something new going on and always something interesting to be doing. There's a very active Facebook presence with the court reporting profession. We have forums and different areas. You can almost always in touch with a court reporter if you try. All right. So that really kind of speaks to what gets you up in the morning. And I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice as you share what gets you up in the morning. Is there anything that keeps you up at night? The work itself is demanding. It's a very service-oriented profession, especially in the freelance work. As a freelance firm owner, of course, I want to be able to give my clients what they want, when they want it, no matter what. And so sometimes my late nights are occupied by proofreading or editing a transcript, coordinating suggestions having come back from my proofreader, emailing to a client, confirming spellings, doing those sorts of things. One of the things that's great about that is sometimes I can work on my transcript at night but go golfing in the afternoon. Okay. Take time off during the day to do what I want to do if I know I'm going to doing my work later at night. So again, the flexibility of the career is a big plus for me. Absolutely. But you know, I think one of the things that you highlighted in what keeps you up at night is really kind of the nature of being a business owner. You know, my husband sometimes sits there and goes, why are you still up and still working on this? I, I hear you laughing because I'm sure you're having those same sorts of conversations, but it's part of what you've got to do if you're going to be in a service business where you're delivering what clients need and want on the schedule that you've agreed to. Absolutely. And there again, some people who don't like the vagaries, shall we say, of that kind of schedule are much more suited to be an official court reporter where you have almost always starting and ending times or a cart provider or a captioner where your schedule is a little more set. Of course, especially with captioners and those who are captioning live events, when there's a crisis, they step up. Um, when 9-11 happened, the captioners of the country I am so proud of they were hours and hours and hours online and continuing to caption the coverage for so many people who would have had no idea what was going on without it. I get chills now thinking about that day and how terrifying it would be for 30 million people to see those images and have no idea what the commentators were saying. Our brothers and sisters in the captioning arm were the ones fighting that access, and they weren't too worried about taking time to go to the bathroom or their aching arms and aching shoulders. They worked very hard for that initial several-day period before communication was restored. There were captioners who wouldn't 
stop captioning because their person who was supposed to succeed them may not be able to get an internet connection. As you recall, everything's quite chaotic for several days. It's amazing the role that captioners and court reporters have played in history. Well, you know, it's interesting because my husband worked in the World Financial Center, which is right next to the World Trade Center. And I remember that day very, very, very clearly. I had just had a baby. My husband had called me and said, they're telling us to stay in the building. And his boss had been there for the first bombing. And she was just like, I don't care what they're telling you. I'm telling you from my perspective as your administrator on this floor, we are evacuating this building. And I just remember that the captioning was absolutely critical for my parents who could not call me from California when I was in New York, couldn't get through for them to be able to kind of see what was going on. Of course, they didn't know until hours later what happened to us. But for them, I know that that was a lifeline. And it was a lifeline for me just kind of being in the middle of it, just kind of seeing what was going on. It was an insane time. And I really hadn't thought about the role of the captioners that day. But you're right. That day, the work that they did was amazing. And it was amazing for a long period of time because all of us were riveted around our televisions, listening to what was going on as people were sharing their stories, what was happening, you know, the events in one place versus another place versus another place. That was a incredible, incredible day. And thank you for bringing that up because that is something that I don't think most people would have tied together without that comment from you. One thing that comes to mind, and my friends that took part in that day, you know, there's post-traumatic stress from that. You know, they were literally hearing and seeing those images and hearing the stories over and over. You know, they have said, I was crying, but I kept writing, and, you know, my my tears were running down my face, and I, I couldn't stop. Abraham Lincoln said, I will prepare, and someday my chance will come. The people who were on the front lines that day in the captioning arena had prepared for years and years and years for that moment to be of that service to people like you and your family, and you're exactly correct. And again, it all stems from this hidden, behind-the-scenes opportunity we have to translate spoken word into text and make it available. And it's an exciting profession. It's a very important profession. And I'm honored to have found it as an accident. And I'm very, very proud of the work that I do and the people that I've met. Well, I can hear that very, very clearly in what you're sharing. So are there any changes that are going on in your industry that a person who is considering the profession needs to be aware of? I think one of the things to be aware of and to be interested in is, again, the technology. There are other methods of making a record. There are other methods of capturing speech. There are some other methods of translating it from spoken into instant access in a written form. But technology is helping the stenographic profession as well. And I think if you get into this profession now, you need to be aware of that. I don't remember the statistics, but things are moving faster and faster and faster now. Technology happens faster. Computers improve faster. You know, the radio took 50 years to become accepted. The telephone was 20. I don't remember the numbers, but something along those lines. Now you hear about something one day and the next day it's mainstream. Right. News travels very, very fast. 
So technology is a friend of the recording profession and the voice-to-text profession. Anything that goes from a spoken word into a written word that people can read, technology is a huge part of that. And there are threats, of course. There is competition to be able to do what we do. And that's partly what makes it exciting, but that's partly what makes it questioning and what-if sort of things. Technology is a big part of things. So that's going to keep us going for a while. Got it. So is one of the threats, I mean, certainly one of the things that we've heard of again and again and again is that a lot of the jobs are going offshore, they're going overseas. Is that one of the threats that you're seeing in your profession, especially with things like captioning where you don't necessarily need to be in a particular location to do the job? That is somewhat affecting the captioning profession, especially, as you said, and different methods of doing captioning. I am a stenographic court reporter, so I use my little steno machine. Sometimes there are what we call voice writers who use a mask and repeat into it. And that, especially in captioning, is an opportunity for a different method than the stenographic method. And there again, it comes down a lot to quality. And depending what quality level you want to have and are willing to pay for and are willing to find at whatever location, sometimes there are offshore opportunities that are good enough. On 9-11, I don't think good enough would have been good enough. No. They wanted the best of the best. Absolutely, they did. And you delivered. So let me ask you, what ways do you believe that the court reporter industry could increase awareness of the profession as a viable career path. The marketing opportunities are just all over the place. It is funny because this is a, as I said, a very, very well-hidden profession, a well-kept secret. It's amazing. And the more court reporters speak up and tell people about our profession, the better off we'll be. But by nature, many of us are background people. We like to be in the background. Some of us don't like public speaking. We like to do a good job, fade into the woodwork. Even on television now, the court reporter rarely has a big role. You can see the camera go by, the person there with the little machine. Very often they get a speaking role, so that's kind of unfortunate. More and more captioning has helped highlight the profession because more and more people are using captioning, even those who aren't hard of hearing, but for instance at the gym or a loud bar or a restaurant, you can keep up on what's going on by watching the captioning. Very often, as you said, hearing people say, oh, well, the captioning wasn't good enough. It wasn't so good. But think if you had nothing at all. If you were a hard-of-hearing person and you had captions that were of moderate quality, great quality, or nothing at all, something is so much better than nothing. And so the Americans with Disabilities Act in 96 brought that to light so much and the improvements that have been made along those lines are going to continue to expand, as we've said, the opportunities for court reporters who are writing real-time. Real-time writers simply have more opportunities than those who do not. And there are opportunities for court reporters who don't do the instant access real-time translation, but not as many. And so, again, it's an evolving, changing profession that has something for everyone, really. Well, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday I was reading from one of my previous guests on my other podcast, a woman by the name of Susan Kruger. She's got a site called Study Skills, and she was talking about the fact that the brain is trained, even though the spelling is not completely accurate, 
the brain is trained to figure out what it is that was said. So despite the fact that it's like third grade, fifth grade, whatever grade level, but our brain is still trained to be able to follow what was being said even though there are these miscues in it. And I think that that's one of the reasons why you will find that captioning will continue to grow is because in general, if you're a reader, you can take the clues of the rest of the text that surrounds it, figure out what the word is and be able to just kind of go through. And oftentimes, unless you were hitting, you know, really the wrong cues and you had, as you said, your fingers resting all the time on the wrong keys, you can figure out what was going on in the text. You can understand the language of it. You can understand all of it. And that's the power of what our brain could do. And that's why I think the captioning will continue to grow is because our brains are really structured to understand the text that is going up on the screen even though, as I said, there may be miscues or misalignments or misspellings in what we're reading. You are absolutely correct. You've got it down. Good job. (laughs) That was late night reading last night. (laughs) And the funny thing is it had absolutely nothing to do with today's interview. It just happened to be what I was reading because I was looking for some other information about, you know, some struggles my daughter's been having with her reading. So I just think that that's interesting that I was able to kind of tie those two things together. Yeah. So go ahead. May I add just one other little thing? Sure. Studies have shown that when toddlers are learning to read, if the family has closed captions on their TV, it helps the kids learn better. So the little kids, as they are learning to read and write, if they're seeing the word on the TV and hearing it at the same time, it will help their language skills develop faster. I didn't know that. So I tell my little grandkids, this is a good thing. When you're watching TV, have your captions on. Absolutely. I think that sounds like really great advice. So let me ask you, why do you think that being a court reporter is on the list of the top 100 careers? I think part of it, it is attractive. It is a surprising six-figure income career. The average starting court reporter begins earning between thirty-five and 45000 Many are above 100000 Depending how much you want to work or how little you want to work, it's a very flexible career. It provides opportunities to relocate your business. It provides opportunities to do the things that you're passionate about. A friend of mine became a captioner and specialized in sports because she loved sports. She said, this is the greatest job in the world. I get to watch sports and I get paid for it. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. Another friend of mine goes on the professional tennis circuit and immediately transcribes post-match interviews. And so she gets to watch tennis all day, travel all around the world, use her skills to provide a very needed service, and get paid for it. I've lived in several different states. I can get a job almost anywhere that I'd want to go. You can pick and choose where you're going to live. People who are, for instance, if your spouse is in the service and you relocate regularly, freelance court reporting or remote part or captioning may be a very good career for you. A friend of mine relocated, took two days off work, and then moved her household belongings, hooked up her internet, and was back to work at the same firm she had been with thousands of miles away, just off the schedule for two days to load the moving van, and she didn't have to go look for a new job in a new location because she was able to work remotely. It gives a lot of flexibility. It's interesting. 
I think it will be here for a very, very long time. Traditionally, the schooling is shorter than a four-year program. Most of the schools now are aiming between a two- and three-year training period, so that kind of helps. It makes it attractive to the parents who are paying college tuition, and it's just darn fun. <laughs> Everyone should want to get professional eavesdropper. It's the greatest career ever. You know, I'm one of those people that people watches, so I understand how interesting it would be to be a professional eavesdropper where you can just kind of listen in to what's going on in people's lives. And I really loved when you talked about the fact that when you were first getting started in your career, you could kind of know what was going on in your community by being an official court reporter, because I think that that's certainly a draw, is you can really just find out what's going on, you know, what's happening in people's lives by being a court reporter. And I think that that would be uh, really fascinating. It kind of goes with my interest in them, just kind of people watching and hearing what people are doing. And I find myself not just looking to see what they're doing, but also listening to see what they're doing. So I think that's kind of cool. So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? I think that people should be assured that the court reporting profession is going to be needed for many, many years to come. I believe it's the best career ever. Again, I feel so blessed that I found it, that I've been able to pursue it. There are always opportunities. No matter where you are, there's another rung in your career development to reach for. You mentioned earlier I compete on a regular basis in the state and national real-time and speed contests. That is something that just gives you such a high. It's like an extreme sports adventure. But getting to compete with the very best of the best of the best people year after year, it is very exciting. I think the profession is going to be here for a long time. It is autonomous. It provides a lot of flexibility. It's very interesting. I wish more people knew about it. I'm not quite sure how to get the word out there more other than doing interviews like this and promoting it through the high school level, even at the junior high level. Many, many students are making their career choices even younger than we have traditionally targeted. It's a great career if you like English, if you like People watching, that's very fun. There's a lot of variety and there's a lot of self-responsibility. And I think that's something that's very attractive about the profession as well. All right. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and learn more about the profession, how would they do so? Well, you can send me an email. My email is Melanie Sontag, C-R-R, at gmail.com or my company's website, is Sontag Reporting, S-O-N-N-T-A-G, reporting.com, and you can link to my email through there. More than happy to talk about court reporting anywhere all day long. It's a great career. The National Association is a wonderful home for all of us. Keeps us stable, provides our certifications. It's a great career to get into if you're considering a change. All right. So for... Today's listeners, I just wanted to let you know that, as usual, I will include links in our show notes to her website as well as the national site for additional information. In addition to that, we will also be posting on our Twitter pages, our Facebook page, as well as my LinkedIn profile. So there will be lots of opportunities for you to uh, listen to this and learn a little bit more about becoming a court reporter. 
To learn more about the college planning process itself, I invite our listeners to visit our site, College Funding Resource, and to keep coming back to listen to more of our Career 100 podcasts. At collegefundingresource.com, you'll be able to listen to interesting and committed professionals like Melanie, who have valuable information to share about their respective careers. Melanie, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure learning more about the court reporting profession, and I thank you for your time. You are so welcome. Thank you for the invitation, Felicia. Great. And I'd like to thank all of my listeners for joining us today and hope you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.